This is Beck Lover, and you're watching a special edition of Beck Lover and the Comeback Team. Today, I bring you to the front lines of the battle against the coronavirus with an exclusive report from a medical professional in one of the hospitals in New York City. Stay tuned. This report could save your life. Three, two, one. Welcome, everybody. This is Beck Lover and the Comeback Team. I'm here. Uh, remotely as everyone else in the world is right now and I have a very special very important guest uh, coming on to discuss everything that's going on today she happens to be a very good friend of mine uh, basically family and uh, she's on the front lines fighting this war against this uh, unseen enemy this virus that is really devastating the world and has now begun to really affect us here in New York City I want to welcome Shkandia Kodra. Hi, Beck. How are you? Good morning. Good afternoon. I want to welcome you. I want to, first of all, thank you for coming on, uh, especially with everything that's going on. It's not an easy time to, to ask you to even come on and interview and spend time because not only are you working in hospitals on the front lines as a medical professional, as a RN, as a nurse? RT, as a respiratory RT. therapist. As a respiratory therapist. But you also have a family, and you have a lot of uh, you know you have a lot of things going on. And for you to give us time today is I just I don't know how to thank you. I want to thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, me and you, uh, we know each other for now over ten years. Right. My wife's cousins are your cousins, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And but we actually became good friends when I was very active in the Albanian world. Yes. And when I was doing a lot of events, I met you and you had started a non-for-profit that was helping orphans. Yes. And you've done some amazing work and that's Thank all documented. And that's kind of how me and you became friends with the uh, Yatim Yam. Yes. And uh, you were helping kids in Eastern Europe get, you know, backpacks and food and clothes and all kinds of stuff. Yes, yes. And that's kind of when you... Uh, you know, you won my heart as a, as, a, as a human being, you know? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I want to just go a little bit about your background, just, you know, real quickly, like who you are, where you're from, your family, okay. how long you've been a nurse, and we'll talk kind of a little bit about that, your background, and then we're going to get into what's going on. Okay. Um, I am born in Brooklyn. I'm 38 years old. I was raised in Brooklyn. My family is still in Brooklyn. I moved out to the islands, Staten Island, about 13 years ago. I have a 16-year-old son, a 12-year-old daughter. I am the oldest out of six siblings. Um, I am a registered respiratory therapist. Um, we are basically the ones that intubate patients and put them on ventilators. We put people on life support. Um, we are uh, really close to anesthesia, like the anesthesia team, basically. We're there for traumas. We're, we're known as the angel of death in the hospital. You see us, you're dying. Or you're in danger of dying. Or you're in danger of dying. Or you can't catch your breath. So not to jump right into that right now, but that's a very big component of this fight against the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. Yes. They're uh, intubating people, which means putting the tubes into their body so they can breathe, correct? Right, so that life support can, so the vent can breathe for them, yes. Respirators. We're not gonna mention where you work to protect you professionally and, uh, you know, we know you're, you're one, one of the hospitals in New York. Yes, correct. And we're at the beginning of April right now. 
date wise. Yeah. Yes, we are. And I guess we'll kind of go into it. I mean, uh, how long have you been a nurse? First of all, I've been an RT for five years. And um, I also know, you know, over the last decades, you went to help Haiti when they had an earthquake. Yes, I was there with them. Were you a nurse at that time? I was not. I was in the medical professional. I was, um, I was working as a medical assistant, and I was working with pulmonologists. I've always been basically in the medical field. So you, at that time, because that was a devastating event that happened. It was. You, I remember you going, and I was worried. I was like, man, you, you know, but I was also so amazed that you had such courage yeah. to go to Haiti during a complete disaster. I mean, you want, to talk real briefly, you want to talk real briefly about that? Like, what was that like? Was that, would you consider that probably one of the first really big devastating things you've seen medically in your career? Yes. That was one of the biggest devastating things I've ever seen with my own eyes medically. Yes. That was the probably um, the most people I've seen dead in front of me. Um, chaos, destruction, people... Okay. I mean, go into details a little bit. When you got off that airplane, you went to Haiti. Who did you go with, first of all? Who, who contacted we went with you? Red, we went with Red Cross and Doctors Without Borders. So you went over there. We went over there. You get um, off the airplane. What kind of flight did you take there? Was it, was it a military flight? I mean, how did you get there? No, we just all signed up with an organization. I do not remember the name. Um, we all teamed up in the airport. We took a flight and we went over. It was just one of your basic flights. Port-au-Prince, right? Right. You got off that airplane now. You're in a, you're in a situation where over a quarter million people died uh, overnight. What the heck is this thing? Uh, I think this is still recording. So you're, 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 you get off the airplane. Well, what was the scene like in Haiti at that time? It, was, it's, it looked like you were looking at a flat land. It was just, everything was ashes, ashes to ashes. You could not see anything. It was um, pollution. It was people scattered, um, buildings knocked down. It, it, was, it was devastating. It was the, one of the worst things I've ever seen. When you got off that airplane, your emotions were probably crazy. Very much. Very much. I was much younger then. Um, I believe it was, I think it was 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was younger. I was, um, I was scared. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. And what did you have to do? I mean, what was your job at that time? I mean, what were you doing? I was in just Haiti? assisting, helping the doctors to set up IV lines, um, push fluids in patients. Um, they had little surgical units that they were sewing. I was just standing by the side, handing over the tools, um, helping patients come in and out. Anything That's you all do. I was able to do at the time. And any, yeah, you were doing basically anything that they told you to do that you could I did anything with. I could actually, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and you saw a lot of people pass, I don't know what's going on. You saw a lot of people pass away right there. Just... I seen people, I, I could smell death in the air as soon as I got off of the flight. How long were you there for? I believe it was for five days. Those five days probably seemed like five years. It felt like forever. It was probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. And when you got back, did it take a toll on you? It did. It took some Mentally. time to get over it. It did. It did. 
did you need to get talk to anybody about it? Did you get therapy? I mean, I mean, the reason I'm asking this is because I think a lot of things are going to happen like this right now to a lot of yeah. people. I just lost a, a friend, and you know, tears came out of my eyes because it's sad. You know, it's it very is hard. Sad. It's sad. Um, we can only imagine what nurses and doctors are going through right now, and not even that. People that just work in the hospital, they're seeing this stuff too. Even the janitors seeing this, right? I mean, they do. We, Paint I the picture right now. What, what, what's going on? What, what are you seeing? You know what? Let's just get into it. What, what are you seeing uh, where you work? What, what's the mood been like? I mean, talk to us. Um, the mood is absolute. No one, everything, everything in the hospital is silent. Um, no one is speaking. Every person that you look at, um, you see fear in their eyes. Um, anxiety is off the roof. Um, people are depressed. People are upset. People are, um, it, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. It's horrible. We're short-staffed. Um, we're upset with what's going on. We're upset that we can't save everyone that's coming through those doors. We're upset that we know that even the people we are fighting for are not going to make it out of there alive. It's, it's really hard. I have another friend of mine who is a doctor in a hospital in New Jersey. I will not mention his name. And he's telling me that most of the people he's seen go on intubation are not coming back to us. I mean, I no, know that's... They're not. So, so this is where the question comes to me. What's all this chatter and all this bullshit about the respirators when it's really not helping anyway? Why are we focusing so much energy on that right now, do you think? I can tell you this much. You can have about 20 people come in and put on life support on ventilators. The chances that maybe one out of that 20 is actually going to come out of this alive is that one person. But we have so much legal um, aspects. I know, I know, I know. So that it's, it's a must, but it's, um, it's hard. It's hard. And we're being exposed as respiratory therapists and we're with anesthesia and we're intubating these people and we're getting all of that back pressure coming from their throat we are in their face and the chances of us getting it is extremely high. It's extremely much high. Much it's higher. much, much higher. It's much higher. And let me ask you this. Um, are you seeing people? I mean, here I have a, a shot of you. I mean, that's you right there, right? That's me. Yes. This is you at work. I mean, you're really, I mean, even with all of this, you're terrified. I mean, you got about looks like two or three masks on, maybe even more. I honestly have two N95s on, and then I have a droplet mask on top, and then I have a shield on top of that. Um, yeah, it's one. So, I mean, one. How do you breathe like that? I mean, it just seems like you it's just difficult you to. Basically, you basically, you basically are gasping for air. You're making your lungs work on on overdrive, but you know you're saying to yourself, "I have to, I have to do this, or else I'm going to catch it." And um, there's times that you feel like you are going to faint in the room. There was times where I actually thought I was going to pass out inside the room with the patient. That I had to walk out and we all break down and we all cry. And I watched a nurse, one of my colleagues, um, faint from the anxiety of it. It's horrible. It's the worst thing. See, with Haiti, you knew what to expect. Because yeah, you got off the plane, you knew that you were going to see people die. And you, you knew that you were, there was nothing floating in the air that can make you ill. Much, you know, yes, the pollution and all this other stuff. You got to be careful, virus. yeah. You got to be virus. careful. Yeah. Paint the picture. I mean, 
I mean, is there just people all over the hallways? I mean, are there beds all? I mean, is it really over? Like, is it like over capacity in these units? I mean, is it like is it just people just flowing in every minute? There's all there's, kinds of uh, there's all kinds of idiots right now posting videos of this, I, I, and maybe the virus hasn't gotten to them yet. But they're posting all these stupid videos of empty hospitals, and I'm like, in New York City, we're getting slammed. We we are supposed to pay, put these patients in rooms with isolation with negative pressure. Um, those rooms are completely taken. They are sharing rooms with other patients that probably are not even positive yet. They're, on, they're in the hallways. They're in every room possible. There is no such thing as an empty room right now in any of the New York City. Your first advice to somebody is unless you are 100% sure and you're in danger health-wise, you just going to the hospital are risking extraordinarily your chances of getting the virus. It's better to stay home and try to fight it until you can't fight it no more on your own. The only, the only people that should be coming into the hospital are um, people that, are, that really, really cannot breathe, that feel like they're going to die, your cardiac arrest patients, not, not um, you think you have it and you're going to come. Because if you don't have it and you come into these ERs, you, your, your chances are 90%. You're going to be able to get it. You do not know like a healthcare provider how to protect yourself during this time. We're trained for something like this. And what's going on with regular patients, people that are, are... You don't really see them in the hospitals. The hospital is only flooded with COVID-19. It's very rare that you see a patient that is a non-COVID patient there. How young is the youngest person you've seen pass away from this? 25. Any pre-existing conditions? No. None. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. We've seen... I've seen... Um, I've seen people um, FaceTime their family members before they get intubated, their last moments. I've watched families cry over the phone. It's, it's horrible. People cannot understand how this feels. You're holding your phone for, and, and people are saying their farewells. And you don't know if you're going to come back out of it. And they don't. They don't. They don't come back. My, my friend that passed away... 51 years old, from my understanding, he was fighting for a long time and he, he lost the fight. He lost yeah. the fight. Are some, people choosing, are some people choosing to say, fuck it, I'm not getting intubated. I'm just going to try to fight it. You know, it's interesting because I had a patient who was, he was 57 years old. Um, he wasn't able to breathe and he wasn't able to breathe. And we tried everything to try to help him before we put him on life support. Um, and once he saw the ventilator, he saw me pull in the ventilator and come in with the team. He said, is that, is that life support? Is that a ventilator? And I said, yes. And he said, I'm going to die, aren't I? And um, it, was, it was horrible. It, it's horrible. Because when you're used to being in a field where you do your best to help them, and the, the chances of them surviving is so, so great. And you're looking at this person that knows that they are going to die and they're waiting for you to just confirm it. You know, it's just, you take, you bring it home with you. We're so affected by this. And so, you know, the best thing that you do is take your phone out and FaceTime their family. And you see this person crying and, and that family crying. And he says, you know, my insurance is not really good before you do anything. Um, maybe it's best you just leave me because he's afraid of get, you know, the burden, of the financial burden falling on his family. 
Can't believe that these conversations fair. are even. I can't believe these conversations are even being had right now. Yeah, it's not fair. And then you start, you know, it's it's, and you give them the option. You tell them you have to and sign. The, and some of these people, you, I mean, they they're not making it back. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. Um, watching watching um, children say goodbye to their parents or a parent say goodbye to their child is beyond anyone's nightmare. And it's, these people were perfectly fine before this fucking virus. They were perfectly fine. A lot of them didn't have any health conditions or minor conditions, you know, nothing major. Um, they, you do see people with major, you know, uh, medical underlining problems, but then you see people that have nothing. You know, I have a nurse who her 18 year old son, he's 18 healthy football player. Um, he's been on life support for the past three weeks fighting for his life. How do you describe that? You know, it's just, you know, I don't know. Have you considered just walking off? There was um, one time. You have uh, three kids. There was one. There was this. I don't, I don't blame you. I, 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 honest to God, can't even get mad at a doctor or a nurse right now. I mean, this is, this is the fear that the whole country has. We lose you guys. <coughs> we're, we're done. Yeah. But I don't blame you. I know. Where are your kids? Where are your kids right now? <laughs> my children are. Um, my are you away with, from them? My yes, I try to stay as as far as possible from them. Away as possible from them. Yes, I change at work. My scrubs go in a plastic bag. I enter the house from the backyard. I throw them in the outside. I leave them there for three days. Then I take them downstairs with gloves and I do five cycles of washing. Um, shoes are thrown out. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's the worst thing that I've ever been through. It's worse than Haiti. For me, it's worse than Haiti. I Haiti, you got there, is, you knew what to expect. I think this is worse than Haiti, worse than 9-11 than as far as fear. And I was terrified on 9-11. Yeah. I thought we were entering World War Three. Yeah. What do you need the American people to do? What's the top five, two or three things you can think of right now? Like seriously, like whoever is doubting this situation right now, I need them to hear this message and to heed your call. You're on okay. the front lines. You're brave enough to even speak to me where a lot of people haven't been. And your information right now, honest to God, is going to save lives. What Thank do you want you. us to know? I want you guys to know that um, it can happen to you. It has happened to people that thought that it's going to be okay at 18 years old to go hang out with a crowd of kids and not catch it. Um, Keep your distance, wash your hands, um, do not go out there. It is not worth risking your life. You can carry this for many, many days and go and see your parents and the rest of your siblings and you can spread it so easily. You might make it, but maybe three out of the 10 that you went in contact with are going to die. Um, we need support. When it comes to, when it comes to gear, um, when I look at China's gear and I look at Italy's gear and I look at our gear, it's an absolute shame. Every nurse, respiratory therapist, MD, NP, PA, everyone deserves to walk out, but we're there for you. We have risked our lives because we can bring this home to our family, our children. Um, we just need support. We need people to send more cards to the hospital thanking us um, so that it makes us fight for another day, you know? to see another day. We need water. We, we, they stopped delivering to hospitals water. Um, cafeterias have been shut down. Um, 
we're dehydrated, we're overworked. Um, some pizzerias have been nice enough to send us food. Um, it just has anybody, has anybody that you know quit? Yes, plenty. Plenty of people have walked out. They just walked out of the job, right out of even, the door. Even, even doctors? Doctors, therapists, nurses. Yes. Yes. They walk right out. And a lot of that has to do with not having the proper gear. You are going into an enclosed room, a four-by-four four room with a ventilator pumping out um, uh, into the air. It is hot as hell in there. And you're forced to go inside there and stay there for 20 minutes to make ventilator changes or as a, for nurses to push medicine. And you have a mask on and you have like a little paper gown. Your legs are exposed. Your head is exposed. Your ears are exposed. I mean, this, this is a virus. This can go even through the, the, your earlobes, you know, go right into the ear. There's so many ways to catch it. And then, you know, they give you these crappy goggles. They have openings on the side. Virus can come here. You can touch your eye. There's so many ways to catch this. And people catch anxiety and say, you know what? I want to help. I want to save, but I can't because if I get it, I'm going to die. And I'm not going to even know that I have it. I'm going to go home and spread it to everyone, you know, and, and it's, it's not. So people have walked out. I mean, I've been in a room where I felt so anxious. I quit such a panic attack for the first time ever. I quit this panic attack that I felt like I was going to pass out. I really did feel faint and I held on to something. I opened the door and I ran out of it because the first thing that started going through my head is I've been here for 20 minutes making ventilator changes, moving this tube in this patient's mouth back and forth and lifting him and turning him from side to side. Did he make it? No, he died. How many people a day do you think are dying in your, in your location? I would say six to 12. I walk in, I walked in yesterday into work. Um, as soon as I made a turn towards my department, I ran into um, a body bag, um, them removing a body on wheels. It was a body bag on wheels, basically. Um, and, through, and I was like, wow, what a beautiful sight to come into work you know, and see this. And then that was only one out of multiple multiples that I was, I was seeing throughout the day. What did, what, to your knowledge, like my friend died, we can't go to the funeral. Like what happens? Do you know? I mean, what do they take to buy? I mean, like what's going on in that situation? I do not know. I know that they, they, they have a, um, I think the, the, the refrigerators and the basements are full with bodies. I don't know if they have a truck now unloading them outside. I really don't know. I don't pay attention much to that part. Um, you know, the scariest part is this. If you have a family member that's going to be um, on, on, on life support, they are going to die alone. And that's the worst part of this. It's, yes, you know what? It, it's your time, I guess. It was written in the cards for you or or maybe, it, I don't know how it works. Our, our higher power knows about that. But to see these people die alone is probably the worst thing that you can, you know, that's what I take home with me is that no one was there to comfort them. No one was there to fight for them, you know, um, or to, and we are so busy and we are so understaffed 
that if I have 15 people on life support and I am one therapist in the entire emergency room, do you think that I have time to check on every 15, all 15 people? No, I don't. Because by the time I'm on the second person, I lost you. Sorry. By the time I'm on the second person, they're calling a code blue and someone else is coming and dying. So these people need so much caring. They need ventilator changes. They need medication. You can't do that with one person. So we are not giving them that full um, um, support and, and care that we're, we usually do as, as, as healthcare providers and frontliners for sure. We don't have the time. I mean, it seems like we're losing the battle. Yeah, we are. You know, here's my question though. And again, I know some of these questions are even above your, your understanding, like what you might know. They say this malaria drug works. This thing's working. Like they're not using any of that stuff. They're not using the, the, the malaria drug with the Z pack. I mean, if they know that this is working on a lot of patients, this is the, the, the chatter that's out there. I don't know. I can't confirm. Why aren't we, how do we not have all that stuff if it exists already? Like, why, what, is any of that being used to your knowledge? I mean, what, what? I, I, in my hospital, I'm in New York City, I'm, I haven't heard of it at all. Um, I have a group chat with other therapists and nurses that are in different city hospitals, and they, we've spoken about that, and they have not seen it as of yet. Um, I have I one friend know. confirmed, one friend. Okay. His brother, his brother in New York had the virus, was struggling to breathe. They gave him the hydro, whatever it's called, and yeah. the Z-Pack, and he got better immediately. Yeah, uh, that's what I heard. I've watched doctors report it and scientists report it. So where is it? I mean, what are I they think doing? That, I don't know. I don't know. But w listen, we had a five-year-old sometime in February um, that came in with explosive diarrhea because I do pediatrics also. Explosive diarrhea and vomiting and the parents Give us the like, symptoms of these people so we know. What are the symptoms? It depends on the person. So it's, it's um, severe diarrhea. It's chest pain. It's vomiting, loss of appetite, um, loss of taste. You can't really taste what you're, you're eating. And um, headache, back pain, because your lungs are located there, back pain, struggling, uh, struggling to breathe, a dry cough. These are your symptoms. So fever. you can actually mistake it for a cold. Fever. Fever. Fever is, yes. Fever is a definite one, yes. Wow. Fever is another one, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're saying the, the majority of these people, and this is what I've heard from multiple doctors that I speak to, that I'm very close to, that are very good friends of mine, the way I'm friends with you, and they've also confirmed with me that a lot of the people are not coming back off the respirators. No, they're not. They're not. First of all, we don't have enough staff to give them the attention that they need on those ventilators. I'm going to be honest with you. and um that virus this virus is so strong and is so deadly that it you will see someone walk into that er like very ill and about an hour later you're gonna see somebody come and pick them up in a body bag even even though you've ventilated and intubated them i'm sorry don't worry no, about it my kids I'm are sorry for, for, for even making you have to talk about this but i just think it's so important and is there anything else? Because I, I usually go much longer, but I just, I don't want to with you. I want you to take time. I want you to relax. Thank you. We need you. Thank but you. I also, 
would ask you as a friend to do what's best for you and your family at this point. I know. If, you, if your instincts are telling you differently, so be it. I know. A lot, us, a lot of us are going down financially right now. Most of us have already bitten that bullet. There's certain things that are just not worth, you know. I, I'm worried about you. Yeah, I'm worried about me too. My family's going crazy. And you're in my prayers, and I'm going to be praying for you extra hard. Thank you, Thank you this very much. Is probably, I mean, with, I've been watching thousands of videos. This has been probably, for me, the most informative and the most amazing information I've gotten since this whole thing has started. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope that people will listen to you. I, I hope, hope those that are watching will send cases of water, send masks, send everything you got to help them because it might be your family next week that's in there. That's true. And that's right. And we, and we need to get a lot of testing out for the uh, people that are in the front line. It's going to stop the spread because if I'm carrying it and the rest of everybody that's in the, in the healthcare field is carrying it and you're coming in there with symptoms, you don't feel well, but you don't have it, I am going to give it to you. It's that simple. Another thing, people don't know one thing. People think that this is only airborne. And I want to educate them on this. This stays in the air for about two to three hours and it becomes weaker by the hour and it becomes smaller by the hour. It actually sits on plastic for five days, you know? And it sits on steel and metal for three days. I've been, everything I've bought, I'm the only one that goes out. I Clorox the outside of the containers before I bring them into my house. Same here, yes. I've been doing that. Um, people need to stay home. Yeah, you know, stay home if you need to go and buy food i understand i've you know i've stopped myself into into like uh, grocery stores and stuff i am always masked and gloved but then you have the next person next to you that doesn't wear their mask and glove and this is why we are spreading it because they think they feel fine and then three days later they wake up with a spiking fever well they just came into contact with a hundred people and out of that hundred ninety nine of them they have given it to that's why you are seeing these numbers increase People have to be aware of what's going on, and this is what it is. This is how we'll stop this a little quicker. There was so much, and I don't care what anyone says, so much weak information in today's world. Okay, we didn't expect China to tell us the truth, but Italy knew what was going on. Why has the response been so late? Most people didn't even think it was airborne, you know? Most yeah. people didn't even think it was airborne. Now yeah. it's airborne. Now it can last longer. I mean, this to me is unexcusable in today's world with the amount of technology we have. We knew what was happening in Italy. They're, they're not a third world country. We should have known better. And this is, to me, unforgivable and unexcusable to all world leaders. It is unforgivable. Period. And it is unexcusable. It really is. It I almost, mean, it, it, honest to God, almost like, are, are you doing it on purpose? Almost? Like, I mean, this is why it's fueling conspiracy theories and people are getting upset because yeah. emotions are running high and yeah. the general population is feeling like you guys are not doing a good job. Yeah. I think that now they're trying their best to do everything they can, but that's like pulling out a child out of water when you, you're sitting by the pool and watching him jump in and you know he can't swim, but he goes anyway, now he's drowning. Like, what is there left for you to save? You know, we got gear a week ago. We have been exposed for two weeks already. You know, we come in contact with hundreds and hundreds of people. I'm sure if we're contaminated, we've contaminated half. You know, they, they, they just did it. It was too late. It was a little too late. It was too late. They didn't really do a good job on that. It's too late. Shandia, 
I want to ask that God bless you, your family, may he protect you because in the end, it's only him who can protect us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. You're an amazing person before this situation and you'll always be one. Thanks, Bex. You have a great day. Keep. Thank you. Please stay safe. Stay safe. Good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, you heard it here first on the front lines. Very good friend of mine. This is not a joke. This is not a drill. This is not a game. This thing is killing people. You have to stay home. You have, I repeat, you have to stay home. Limit even for food. Stay home.